Leslie, and uh, good to see each one of you here today. Well, thank you. <laughs> At least one of you is glad to see me. <laughs> I was waiting because I didn't know if we should go any further or not. <laughs> no, not, not really. Not really. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, let's take our Bibles this afternoon, and as you're turning to Matthew, which I'm sure your Bibles are just falling open to Matthew chapter 5, um, I'm actually uh, going to take you to Matthew chapter 7, uh, the, literally the last part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm not skipping the other stuff because it's not important, but uh, for whatever reason, I've just felt in the last couple of days to, to step away for a little bit. And this morning, as Lisa had the television on, I was walking by and I heard uh, a pastor, don't even know who he is, but he said, next week we're going to talk about the storms of life. The storms of life. I can't think of anything that's probably more pertinent to us today than the storms that are going on in our lives. It's crazy, isn't it, what's going on? So let's, it's interesting, and then, I, and then it all kind of fits together uh, later, but in Matthew chapter 7, uh, the very last uh, words that Jesus is sharing on the Sermon on the Mount, which was an outrageous opportunity for people to hear what really Jesus was talking about. Let's turn now to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. These are his closing comments, and then, uh, and then we'll go on to another passage of Scripture. Well, Matthew chapter 20, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through verse 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And may God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let's just pause for prayer prior to our study. <clears throat> Father God, we're thankful for the day that you've given to us, the beauty and the splendor of a creation that you spoke into existence. And Father, we would ask that even these moments before us, that these would be time, a time for us to grow relationally with our Savior Jesus. And if someone doesn't know Jesus personally, that these moments as a result, that they would turn their life to Him. And Father, we thank You for what You're going to accomplish today. We would ask that the Holy Spirit exclusively would be our teacher, using the Word of God to grow our faith. Father, we'll thank You for what You're going to accomplish. We look with anticipation, asking again, Father, for these that have come out, that have felt it a time worthy to be spent to praise and to worship and to honor you, that they and their families will be blessed. Father, we'll lean on you for these moments before us, knowing that there's no safer place to be than in your will. Thank you now for what you'll do in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Storms of life, Jesus actually predicted, literally, if those that would adhere to his sayings in chapters 5 through 7, and we've just touched that. We've been spending a number of weeks from chapter 5 of Matthew. <clears throat> I think we got to verse 20, and uh, how many weeks did that take? It's a long time. You, some of you said an eternity, but not quite. But as we consider the fact, a storm. What do we know about a storm? If you have a storm, what are some things that, that would take place or something that sticks out? When I say a storm, what comes to your mind? A storm. Excuse me? Disturbance. Disturbance. Exactly. And sometimes, literally, out of nowhere. Right? That's what makes a storm a storm. Because if it was always a storm, we probably wouldn't call it a storm. Don't go too far down that philosophical line, <laughs> right? It's unpredictable. Unpredictable. That's right. So, Lois, once again, what did you say? Disturbance. Disturbance. Unpredictable. What else could we say? Fear. Fear. Fear, I think that, that really depicts where we are today in a world, not just the United States, in a world that literally a storm has come and it doesn't really seem to be going away quickly. The fear continues to escalate. What else could we say? Excuse me? Can be destructive, actually, really can be. And helpful. It could be either one. Could be either one. How many would you say a storm is fun? Well, got one guy. He's a storm chaser. I knew there'd be at least one in the crowd, so that's why I asked to raise her hand. Now we know who the storm chaser is. 
And now that's, that's, the, that's the cool part is it's fun as long as you're safe. Think of that for a moment. What's wrong with a storm if you're safe? Remember that question because that's exactly what Jesus is wanting us to remember. Because if Jesus is in the storm with you, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Wait, excuse me? He is our shelter. And that's literally, as he closed those comments in chapter 7, which you read, the sense of him really being, following his teaching, following his foundation, it becomes our foundation, truth matters. There's a lot of things that they're talking about matter today. I'm going to tell you, truth matters. I want to know the truth. I want to be able to know what is absolutely true, because that's what makes it really matter. But I want you to see something. I always like to see storms and how people react in a, in a situation that literally lets us look in over his shoulder to see what happened. And we've got a storm that we can look at. Actually, there's a couple of them. So with that, let's go to, we could go to Matthew chapter 8, which is not very long after what Jesus' words, but I'd like us rather to go to Mark, another uh, gospel account, Mark chapter 4. Let's turn there and read this uh, particular passage, Mark chapter 4, and we'll begin reading, I'll find it in a second, verse 35. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 35. Now, before we read that, uh, one, we're going to be looking at a body of water. And if one, for me, if there's a place that I could probably be more, uh, shall we say, susceptible to fear in a storm, it would be storm on a body of water. And those of you know me very well, I love irrigating water, and I like it to be about that deep. No deeper. It's great. I don't need to swim. I don't need any of that stuff because I don't like it. So you put me on a storm in the middle of a water body, Larry is not happy. <laughs> okay? But keeping this little, this, uh, and I, I apologize because this thing just kind of came on me this morning, but I was going to give a little more background work on this, the, this body of water that we're talking about in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, and that is the Sea of Galilee. So let's just talk about it for a second. The Sea of Galilee actually is, are you ready for this? It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It is 682 feet below sea level. That doesn't even seem right, does it? But if you think about it, it's surrounded by mountains, and it's very, uh, shall we say, very susceptible to high winds. Because the way it is, it, it kind of funnels down, and that wind can come right down and across that sea. The sea is not very big. It's actually a lake, too, for that matter. But it's about 13 miles by 8 miles. That's a pretty good-sized body of water, but certainly not gigantic in any means. But it's one that was uh, very highly import of high importance to the, is to the Israelites. Uh, it was a, a great fish producer. It was also a place that they could go, and it was in, in kind of centrally located. And it was one that Jesus, in all of his teaching, he was, if, this, this is a test. Paul, I'm going to test you. Oh, no, we'll test the whole group. It's not fair to just pick on one person, right? Yeah, that's right. He said, that's right. He's good. He's quick, isn't he? But, but the point of the matter is, if you were going to say base camp for Jesus Christ in those three years of his uh, dis leading the disciples and, and cruising on, that base camp would have been next to the Sea of Galilee, and it was Capernaum. That's exactly right. And so Jesus kind of spent a lot of time there. That's where he was really focused on. The Sea of Galilee, then, is that place that's right next door to where he is base camped. Okay, with that, let's, let's move on now. Mark chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 35, giving that geographical context. The same day, when the even was... Let's, uh, wait a minute. The same day of what? Turn back to chapter 4, verse 1. Let's see what's going on. Mama, always get your context. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. It says, He began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship... And sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Okay, and you go through chapter 4, we're not going to do that. There's a whole lot of teaching he did, but it was the, the multitude was crowding him literally into the sea. So he steps into this boat, and he taught in the boat all day long. That's exhausting, I might add. That's exhausting. And you'll see that in a moment, the response of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says in verse 35 now, on that same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, that would be his disciples, let, uh, I want you to pay particular attention to this. Nobody ever does, but these next words, just keep it in the back of your mind. I'm not going to tell you why, but just hang on to it. Let us pass over unto the other side. And then verse 36, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. That means no food, no change of clothes. They just literally, he takes off. Uh, how many of you would start teaching early in the morning, 
all day long, and you just get in a ship and take off. What would you do? Just exactly what Jesus did. Keep watching. Keep listening. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he was in the hinder or the back part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, in those few short verses, this has blown their mind completely, the disciples. I mean, this is something they've never seen of this individual. He had, they watched him heal the sick. They have watched him uh, cast out demons. They have watched him raise up paralytics. They, he, they've seen him in some pretty extraordinary... In fact, they watched him feed people, a lot of people, with nothing. That's pretty cool. But just for a second now, we'll come back and do this several times, but here, Jesus is in the boat sleeping. That's how exhausted he was during the storm. Now, this wouldn't be just any little storm because we have fishermen that are in the boat. Not Larry in the boat. In fact, if we have a two-mile-an-hour wind, Larry's going to be just, he's going to, hey, whoa, 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 time out. Can we go to the shore? That's me. Not these guys. These are commercial fishermen. This is what they do for a living. This storm is so gigantic that they literally are, they are out of their mind, actually. And now they're smart enough to go to the one that's maybe their only shot. Jesus, and he's sleeping. And, and they wake him up and say, what's the matter with you? Do you, are you don't you care we're going to perish? And see, do you notice in the storm of your life, you always wonder, what, doesn't Jesus care? Doesn't God care? Right? Just, just be honest. Exactly. Where's he at? And they said to Jesus, who's in the boat, don't you care that we're going to perish? That must have been a gigantic one. I'm just telling you, these guys, but it, look at the words that's used to divide, d- describe it for us. There was, verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind. Those are very major terms in the Greek. And the waves beat into the ship so it was now full. In other words, um, have you ever got where there's water coming into the boat and you're bailing it out? They can't do it. It's literally filling the boat at an alarming rate. That's when they get Jesus. That's a good time to get Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> And he gets up, and they say, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're going to perish? He rose. I, I just, and, and in my mind, I don't know how it was exactly. And by the way, the size of this boat, probably they found a remnants or a relic uh, on, in, under the Sea of Galilee, which would have been probably very common in that area. And it was a boat or a ship. A ship is a big word. You know, if I say ship, I think, have ever, any of you ever seen a Queen Mary that's uh, docked in uh, Southern California? That, my friends is a ship. I remember looking at the anchor, even even the, the chain, you know, one link. I couldn't even pick up one. That's a ship. Now, it's a ship in the boat. This probably would have boat, been a boat of the size to carry 15 to 20 people, okay? And again, it would be one that you could row or it would have a sail. Now, in the, in the, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about the word that's used that they were actually sailing. So it was a light enough wind for them as they took off that they would have been, it would it would have been the perfect evening. That's the other thing about a storm. As you someone said, it's very unexpected. That's what makes it a storm. And this would have been a beautiful evening, just going across to the other side, as Jesus said. Oh, did you remember what I asked you to say? No, I don't want I don't want you to know yet. You remember that one? Well, I'll keep. Don't you hate that about me? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you yet. But at any rate, so Jesus wakes up. And it says he literally rebuked the wind, and don't miss it, and the sea. And you say, what's the difference? Okay, let's stop for a moment. Just get your mind, your thinking caps on. And if, if I could just say, as we have this boisterous wind, and we probably have waves that are going 20, 30, 40 feet up, and in fact, on that particular sea, it has been known to have extraordinarily powerful waves because of these winds that will come down through the canyons. But what if I just stop the wind? Boom, the wind's dead. What would happen to the waves? They're still rolling, people. They're still going. They're going with it a great amount. It would slap the shore and would bounce on the reverberates. But no, what did it say? It said it was calm. Think of the horsepower that we're talking about. Even if you stop the wind, he, he literally stopped the sea and became like glass. 
I can't hardly comprehend that. But who are we talking about? Let's look at some scriptures that actually describe who Jesus really is. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 1. We'll just look at a few of these. John, hold your place. We'll be right back. John 1, 1. John 1, 1. This is who Jesus literally is. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to roll rather quickly here, but that's okay. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. The writer of Hebrews lays it out very carefully and quickly. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of Hebrews goes this way. God, who at sundry times and in various manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Did you see it? Upholding all things by the, wor by the word of his power. Now that's some, that is some powerful stuff. A couple more. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, quickly. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, Which is come unto you, speaking of Jesus, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God. And unfortunately, that is not the verse that I was going to read you. But, it, but it's God's word, and I'm comfortable, and it spoke to somebody. But it's not what I wanted. But I'm just going to be truthful, because I'm that kind of guy. Okay? I got it wrong. And, was it 115? Well, thank you. Someone in the crowd is helping me out. That's very good. Actually, it was a test, Paul, and you passed. I like it. I like it. Very good. Excellent. Oh, that's what I did wrong. It, it, this is bad. It is in my notes as 116. Now, I don't make that up. It was a test for Paul, and he passed royally. It's unbelievable. Let's go to, let's go to verse 16, chapter 1 of Colossians, to get the right verse. For by him, Jesus, wow, this is it, this is it. For by him, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. There, that's the verse we wanted, isn't it? That's the one. And I can't, there. That's my phone. Yes, it is, and I'm going to shut it off. And more than likely, when it says no caller ID, that means there's some cows out somewhere. <laughs> but we're going to pray to God that he takes care of them. <laughs> yeah, that's my, there's a storm. They just come out of the blue, right? Okay. That's usually what no caller ID is. the sheriff's department telling us we have cattle out on the road. So not a big deal. Not a big deal. They'll get through it. Okay. Let's stop. That was a diversion. That was a diversion. Let's go. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, the fact of who Jesus Christ is. Now, these men in this boat, these disciples, they would have thought they knew who Jesus was. They had watched him do a lot of stuff. They'd watched it, like Paul already said it, but to, to bring food to a lot of people out of a little, right? Started with nothing. That'll blow your hair back. But what they just saw him do now is literally defy nature and spoke to it as if it was like it would listen to him. And it did. That's powerful. And that's why, look at the last part. Of, let's go back to Mark chapter 4 and look at the last part of this. Not only was there, there was a calm before the storm, there was a calm during the storm. Jesus was totally a calm. And there was a calm after the storm because he calmed it. But look at this. There's actually a storm after the calm. Verse 41. Let's start at verse 40. Now, this is Mark chapter 4, verse 40. He says, He said unto them, to the son, Why are you so fearful? I think that's a great question for us. Let's stop right there. Why today are we so fearful? <laughs> and, you know, it's so easy when we ask the question. But our, lit, our, our lives really tell us if we're fearful or if we're faithful. Our actions speak louder than words. There's a whole lot of people I could ask today, why are you so fearful? Oh, I'm, I, I, just talk to me. They are out of their minds in fear today. This, this COVID-19 and et cetera, I'll just say and et cetera, have totally captured people's minds and hearts. They can't even rationally grasp what's going on. They are full of fear. And Jesus says to the disciples, and that would be pretty wild, I'm going to say, if you were sitting in that boat, I'm pretty sure 
you would have been blown away to watch this man that you knew as Jesus, which you called the Messiah, but had no idea who he was because they said they were exceeding. Let's, let's let the scripture read for itself. Verse 41, it says, they were exceeding, they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? <laughs> you would say the same thing. Wow, that, that, you talk about power magnified. It's outrageous. Sir, it's even more interesting that they weren't expecting Jesus to do that. No. When they went to get him, they were like, help us. We're bailing. We're, we're right. thinking. Do something. Right, because you've done other stuff. You should be able to do something. Yeah, at least like, here's a bucket. Right. Help. <laughs> Don't sleep. Help. You know, remember, what, remember Jonah now? Remember Jonah? Why did they get him? Because he was sleeping. <laughs> now, let's talk about this for a moment now. There are different kinds of storms. Jonah's storm would have been a storm of correction. He was running from God. You don't get to run from God. You can try. In fact, he was pretty good at it. He went 900 miles in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. God told him to go to Nineveh. He goes to Joppa. Get your map out. He went the wrong way, 180 degrees, a long ways. And God says, you can't run from me. So there was a storm of correction. Now, this is not a storm of correction because the disciples had done exactly what Jesus had said. Remember that little line that I asked you remember? Remember that? Okay, I'm not ready to tell you yet. But you remember he spoke to them and he told them what to do. So they did that. So now the question is, which you may have as well, why am I having this storm in my life now when I'm doing what I perceive God to want me to do, right? Who wants to be in a storm no hands went up. Just want to make sure. Went up. No one likes a storm when you're in it. When you're in it. But that is called a storm of perfection. You see, Jesus Christ was able to grow their faith. How much faith would have they had if they hadn't went through this? How about Peter and James and John and when they were actually literally forming the church and they were speaking on Jesus' behalf? What if they hadn't went through these moments to see who Jesus was in your own life? The storms that you endure and go through. Do you know what that's good for? You. It's for your benefit. All of those things literally strengthen and make you stronger because you depend on Jesus more. Can you take them back? What, can you take them back? Just a little like less? Just a little less? Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole lot of stories. You know, one of the ones that sometimes are the worst are the ones that are the most unexpected. Yeah. Boom! There they are. Yeah. A loss of a loved one. An accident. An injury. A death. All of those things are storms. Now, I do, I think I'm ready now. Let's go back to verse 35. This is something, as we read this now again, I'm going to tell you the disciples should have had nothing to fear whatsoever, regardless of what the circumstances were. In other words, let me say it another way. Our security should not be dependent upon the circumstances alone. Our security should not be based upon our circumstances. Let's watch this. Jesus said something that literally right there should have, no matter where it was at, no matter how vicious, no matter how storm-like, no matter how over the top it was, they could have said, rather than just looking at the problems, this is for us now, rather than looking at the problems and focusing, focus on the promises. Focus on the promises and not the problems. That's where fear comes in. When we focus on problems, fear is right there. When we focus on the promises that are, and how does faith come? Romans 10, 17. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the word of God that literally gives us the sense of firmness in faith. But let's watch. Jesus said, one, as I tear the thing apart, uh, let's go back to verse 35 and watch this. This is the outset of this before the storm. This is the calm before the storm. On the same day, that evening, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. You say, yeah, okay. Okay, let me read it. Let, let's say it differently. Let us go to the middle of the sea and drown together. <laughs> Different, isn't it? Did you see? That was a promise from him. Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side, which means no matter what, we're going to the other side. When Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Lo, I am with you always. That's a promise if you know Jesus personally. Those are things that we must focus on is promises and not the problems. As those disciples would have looked at the wind, in fact, you know, there's another storm we should look at. There's another storm. It was a little bit later. It came a little bit later. And it's amazing how God has the storms at the right time. Think of Abraham for a moment before we look at this storm, another one on the sea. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, he was well prepared for a storm that was coming to him. God came to him, and Isaac was probably in his teenage years. And God said to him, I said, uh, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, which is a three-day journey, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, if I was that dad, I think, I, especially if I hadn't had preceding storms of faith growing within me, I might have said, you know what, I'll get back to you on that. It doesn't particularly sound like a fantastic idea, but if I'm going to visit my neighbors, I'm going to visit my friends, I'm going to call my relatives, I'm going to get online with my brother, and I'm going to say, what do you think about that? Is that the way you handle your storms? Talk to others? You know what Abraham did the next morning, early, it says he took off from Mount Moriah. Takes his son, takes the wood, takes the fire, they walk up the hill. He's not inhibited in any way, shape, or form but what God has laid out for him. That storm was even pronounced. Those are some of the more difficult ones when you know the storm is coming. Think of Jesus Christ for a moment. Let's step away from Abram for a while. Remember when Jesus Christ, just hours away from being betrayed, and in hours he would be hanging on a cross? There is a passage of scripture that literally says this. On the night he would be betrayed, he gave thanks. Does that rock your world? That rocks my world. To be thankful for something that is going to be that big a storm. Our level of gratitude in the United States has fallen at all-time low. We have the sense of, we deserve it. The sense of, what's the right word for that? The uh, entitlement, thank you. I was just struggling a little bit. That sense of, you know what's behind entitlement? What is the absolute sense, I should say it this way, what comes out of entitlement mentality is absolute ingratitude. There's no thanksgiving. You owe it to me. And yet Jesus, the Messiah, the creator, the one I've just talked about, he's the God, the son of God, the very God that created all that we see and know. That ship that he was sleeping on, he created the wood that made that. He created the daytime, he created the night, he created all of that stuff. And he was betrayed at the hands of men, and he thanked God for the food on that night as they parted it for themselves. That's crazy. That's wild, isn't it? That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. It's your Jesus. Let's go on. There's another situation that it talks about another storm. Another storm. And it's a little bit later. Oh, I should finish up with Abraham, shouldn't I? I should. You remember Abram passed it with flying colors. What if that would have happened 25 years before? Like about the time when he took off for Egypt because there was a famine and he forgot to talk to God about it? How many times do you forget to talk to God about your storm? That's not meant to be a guilt, but it's really true, isn't it? Sometimes we forget to talk to him about our storm. We're in it, and we talk to everybody else, and we're freaking out, and we're fearful, and then it's like, oh, I should have talked to God. Well, guess what? Abraham goes to where? To Egypt. Did God tell him to go to Egypt? No. And then you think Abraham was not a fearful man early in his life? Who's his wife? What's his wife's name? Sarah. And Sarah was a beautiful woman. The scripture speaks of it. So we're in Egypt. We're in a foreign land. And he says this to his wife. It's hard. This, you couldn't really make this up, right? He says, Sarah, uh, honey, listen to me carefully now. Okay. Now we're in Egypt. Um, I don't know how to say this. But I'm just going to say it. Sarah, honey, um, I need you to tell them, Pharaoh and his, you know, ruling, reigning stuff, that you're my sister. And it's sort of true because you're my half-sister, so it's, so that I don't get killed because you're, be and if I was your husband, they would just kill me and they'd take you, and it, how much fun would that be, honey? You know, that's fine. Watch this, is what Sarah says now. No, 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 no. That's not what the scripture says. Okay. But, but think of it. Literally, he was that afraid to let God be God. Now, go zoom forward. Oh, he came home with some baggage, too, didn't he? Her name was Hagar. 
That's how Ishmael become. Do you see how when we're not walking in God's will, how complicated life becomes? But now he's going up a mountain, three-day journey. His son, again, teenager, Isaac, he's not, a, he's not a, a foolish young lad. He says, hey, Dad, just a question for you. We got the wood, we got the fire, and I've worshipped with you before. I've went to worship before God. And where's the sacrifice? Abraham's response is classic faith. It's classic faith. He says to his son Isaac, who he knows, God has told him that he would be the sacrifice. This is where you would, like, as a father, just lose it, right? But Abraham is way beyond that event. He's way beyond that storm. He's way beyond, way beyond, and he says this. He says, God will provide. Isn't that beautiful? That's like taking a storm and making the most of it. Because God had said something a promise to Abraham, and it meant this. He said, you will be a nation above nations. You will have more descendants than there's sand in the sea and stars in the sky. And how could that be? Because God had absolutely defined that Isaac would be the beginning of the people. What he had done was, in the storm, he had trusted what God had told him as a promise. In fact, you go to Hebrews chapter 11, it says that even if Isaac would have been killed... From, from Abraham's perspective, he saw God willing and able to raise him up because he must fulfill his promises. God cannot go back in his promises. Now think if that would have happened earlier. Abraham would have ran for the other end of the world. Do you see how the storms build you? I'm thinking of this storm. Now let's watch this next storm. I promised I would show you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. We're on the water again. Matthew chapter 14. Let's go back. Matthew chapter 14 and let's watch it develop. Matthew 14, and we find another lake event. Same lake, Sea of Galilee. And let us start, we're going to just pick up the context in one verse, if you will. Verse 21. Matthew chapter 14, verse 21. Now Jesus has done it again. He has fed 5,000 men beside women and children. It says, verse 21, read it again. And they had that eaten were 5,000 men beside women and children. How many of you have been in, a, in an event? Well, no, not recently, have we? Couldn't possibly an event with 5,000 people. That would really be bad, wouldn't it? But think back before the, the lockdown or whatever. Think of a place that you would have been in, in company of 5,000 people. That's right. How about is, what is the Metro hold in Billings? Anyone know? 10,000. What is the metro? I'll bet, I'll bet the metro is probably, isn't that five, six, seven thousand? Uh, you're thinking seven? Okay, see, that's where, that's where I was. So think of that now. You're in the size of the metro. Jesus is in the bottom, and he feeds everybody. <laughs> right, did you get that? I tell you what, people are happy, happy people right now. In fact, the context, even further behind this, is these people want to make Jesus king. They say, this is the time. If that dude can bring us that kind of chow, we want him in. Does that not sound like government on steroids? <laughs> and Jesus actually ran away from that. Let's watch what happens. Here we go. Matthew chapter 14. Once again, uh, and then after the fact, he read five, verse 22. Straightway or right away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. Now, I want to stop for a moment here. Um, he, he said to go to the other side. Where they were at and where he ended up in ch the next chapter uh, was Gennesaret. And literally, that would have been probably a four to five mile trip. I mean, if you just take off and you go, it's a four to five mile trip. Shouldn't be a big deal. Now, is Jesus with them on this trip? No, last time, very important, Jesus was with them in the storm. Okay? This time he's not with them. Let's keep going. Again, nice quiet evening, I'm sure. And when he had sent the multitudes away, verse 23, he went up into, the, into a mountain apart to pray. Now, there's a good one. Let's stop totally off subject what we're talking about. If Jesus thought it was important to pray, uh, I see the heads. You got it. Yeah. It's maybe really important for us to pray, right? Keep going. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But meanwhile, back at the, on the ship, 
It was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the wind. Now, I want you to stop there for a second. It told us right there, it's in the midst or the middle of the Sea of Galilee. How did it get there? Because they couldn't control it. It is totally out of their hands. This is a storm that they can't handle. Have you been somewhere where you're trying to go and you know where you want to go, but you can't go? That's exactly what, and these were fishermen. They were fighting it. They were fighting it and fighting it. Let's keep going. But the ship was now in the midst of the seas, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. It's a vicious storm. Watch now. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Okay, a couple things we need to fill in. When is the fourth watch? How many of you were up and at them on the fourth watch this morning? Does anyone know? <laughs> My cat, Your cat woke you. What was that? Three in the morning. Yeah, it's three to six in the morning. So now these disciples who had left before it was dark, they're going to go four or five miles, get a nice, easy stroll into this next destination. They are still out in the middle of the sea at three to six in the morning. And all of a sudden, as they're fighting, can you imagine how exhausted they might be? And they're starting to see things. Guess what they see? Jesus, Jesus to them, it was a ghost. That's what they said. But to watch somebody walking on the water at three to six in the morning, how you doing, people? <laughs> you think you were scared with the storm. You have lost it now. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. <laughs> so that's an understatement saying, it is a spirit, a ghost. And they cried out for, you know it, fear, for fear. But straightway, right away, Jesus spoke unto them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. See, every time Jesus is on the scene, he doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be afraid. There's no place that Jesus said, I want you to fear right now. No, it's not there. No, it's not there. Watch, no. Peter, Peter, he's my man, right? Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me or call me to come onto the water. And he said, come. And before Peter could think about that, well, it's not there, but it, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Don't you love Peter? He's so on the spot, right? And he says, and he, they recognize Jesus' voice, but still, how much guts did it take to step out of the boat? This is not his second time walking on the water. I want to be careful to say this is his first time. How many of you have walked on the water? If someone raised your hand, we need to visit afterwards. You've got a serious problem. But, but as he steps out to walk, guess what? Jesus said, come. When Jesus says, come, I'm going to tell you, folks, in a storm or not, you need to come. You need to come. He steps out on the water, and everything's cool. Because who's he focusing on? He's focusing on the Savior. He's focusing on Jesus. It's all good. When you're focused on the, on the Savior, when you're focused on him, there isn't a problem that's too big. There isn't. With God, nothing is impossible. That's, I, mean, I think of Mary. I, I loved it. You know, here's this young teenage girl that is going to be the mother of the Messiah. And the angel comes to her and tells her a lot of stuff that's just not right. It's not real. It couldn't possibly be. You're going to become pregnant. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to have a child. The Messiah. God with us. Emmanuel. And she says, how can that be? Legitimate question. And the angel said, with God, nothing is impossible. You know what? When you're focused on Jesus and you're doing what he's asking you to do, nothing is impossible. Amen. Nothing. One more amen. Amen. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're doing good. I'll pay you afterwards. Now, look, let's go back to the scripture. Where did he get in trouble? Just like we do. But when he saw... The wind boisterous, he was terrified or afraid. What happens next? He sinks like a rock. <laughs> That's just how it is for us folks when we have a storm in our life. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on Jesus? Now, it doesn't mean the storm goes away. Because Jesus was never as concerned about the storm outside. You know where he's concerned about the storm? Inside. He wants to take the storm that's inside of us, and he wants to calm that. Because that's where the storm that really matters. The outside, like for, for instance, today, if you're living in this world, and all of the different challenges and all the different storms that are coming at us, and it's crazy, isn't it? One after another. 
COVID-19 is just a little thing compared to all of the other things that are taking place. All of those are small potatoes if we're focused on Jesus. It's not worth thinking about. It's not worth thinking about. And it actually can make us stronger. You know what? It made Peter a lot stronger. Do you know how strong that dude would have been next time? You know what? It was just about me keeping my eyes on Jesus. That's what I've got to do. That's what I've got to do. When that church started, who better to have the opening address to begin to have converts come to the church than Peter? He, Right? See, those storms in your lives, if you're focused on Jesus, they make you better. I remember we went through some really tough times in Livingston. And a pastor friend of mine, who I love dearly, I went in to see him. He said something. I don't think it was original with him, but he, it still sticks in my mind. He said this. He said, Larry, tough times will either make you bitter or they'll make you better, and it's your choice. No one can respond other than you. That is fabulous, isn't it? That's taking the storm and letting God do his work to make us more like Jesus Christ. There's a storm of correction, which Jonah endured. And then there's a storm of perfection, which is what God wants us to do and to walk with him. Because without these storms, those disciples would have never been what God wanted them to be. And the storms in your life would never allow you to be who God wants you to be. But you know what? There's still, in both of those types of storms, you have protection. God is protecting you. You know, there's not one day that those disciples would, and I love that. You know, he says, let's pass over to the other side. That's good enough. Got it. Nothing can happen to us. Your life as a Christian, are you going to die? Yes. You will have one death if you're a Christian. If you've had two births, you're going to have one death. But it won't be one second before God wants it to be. Isn't that cool? He's fully in charge. Amen. That's awesome. Amen again. Love it. <laughs> All right, so let's watch one more thing. Let's keep going. Peter's sinking, and he's smart enough to say, save me. Isn't that good? just comes right out. I love those bullet prayers. That's a bullet prayer. <laughs> when you're starting to sink, and, and again, how quick would we be to say, save me? Well, probably, blah, 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 you know, right? I mean, you'd be going down. He's right there. And immediately, verse 31, Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, said unto him, O thou of, you know it, little faith. Why? Because you weren't focused on me. Wherefore did you doubt? And when, I love this. When they came into the ship, the wind ceased. Is that not fantastic? I mean, is that not amazing? Then, watch, watch this carefully. What did they, let's go back to our other water event. Let's go back to our water, other water. What did the men say when Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea and they became, what did they say? They said they, they were exceedingly fearful, but what, what did they say? What? Who is this man that can speak to the wind and to the sea? Now, watch this response. This is later. Watch this. I love it. i got to find my glasses. Why don't we take those things off? Because I can't see you. Then, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Did you see what happened in those two water events? They saw Jesus for who he was, as faith adds to faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. These were changed men. This opportunity they had to see him made a huge difference. Truth is absolutely essential. Let's talk about us a little bit more, the storms that we have. How do you get through the storms? Well, I would have to say, remember what you know. Remember what you know. Go to the Word of God. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 8. This is one that you need to know. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you've trusted Him as your Savior, you've trusted the fact that He's the only way that you can conquer sin. It's not something within you. There's nothing that you can do. But literally, you fall at His feet, humbly bow and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior, for there's no way that I can do it myself. Now watch in verse 8, I'm sorry, chapter 8 of Romans, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them, which are in Christ Jesus. That is fantastic. Fantastic. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18. This is what we can do for an eternal viewpoint, if you will. The struggles, the challenges, the storms that we see looking out and beyond. Just as Abraham did, he had faith knowing that God could not go back on what he promised. That 
chapter 8, verse 1 says, there's therefore no more condemnation when we're in Christ Jesus. Verse 18, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Turn with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just over the page, and look at verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8, chapter 5. For we walk by fear. No, it doesn't say that, does it? What happens when you walk by fear? What happens when we walk by fear? Total failure. Total lost your mind. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now watch. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We will die physically and immediately in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Should we fear death? Absolutely not if we're in Christ. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, just as Peter did initially, looking unto Jesus, watch, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amazing. Amazing. Storms can be blessings. Why? Because they teach us to trust God. There's a passage of Scripture that I'd like you folks to read this week. We're going to read it now, but I'd like you to just focus on it, study it, because it helps us in being stable. Philippians chapter 4, and I'd like to start in verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 through verse 9. I'd, like you to, I'd ask you to read this every day this week. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 begins this way. Again, written by Paul the Apostle. Where's he at? He's in prison. How many of you have been to prison and enjoyed it? No, there's nothing fun about any of it. He's in prison, and he's in prison because he's trusted Jesus Christ. He's in prison because he's done the right thing. And the, the book to the Philippians is a book about joy. I haven't written anything on the board today. I'm going to write that down. Here's a guy in prison. He's talking to the people, and he's talking to them about joy. Is he sick? Is he mental? No, he trusts Jesus. The storms are irrelevant to him. He's looking above and beyond. He's looking at the eternal things. Now watch. Let's listen to what he has to say. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Verse 4, chapter 4, Philippians. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now watch verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's a man, Zig Ziglar. Have you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Yeah. Sounds like quite a name, right? You never forget it if you heard it. He had a way of saying, he said, most of the problems is because you got stinking thinking. Yeah. Isn't that true? What are you thinking about? Where's your mind? Zig said, stinking thinking is your problem. Isn't that good? It's absolutely true. What are you spending your time, what are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? Absolutely imperative that we get that right. There's that page of notes I was looking for. I've been stalling, if you hadn't noticed. There's a couple other verses I'd like us to look at. <clears throat> One of the things that Jesus did want for his disciples is in John. John chapter 14. He doesn't want us to be fearful. He's asked that we be faithful. But there's something that comes as a result of that. You know what? Uh, you think of those disciples later on, and even after the fact, through the storm on the other side, John 14, 27. Literally, the comfort of the Holy Spirit was sent on behalf of Jesus Christ because he said, I have to leave so the comforter can come. Look at verse 27 of John chapter 14. Jesus speaking here. Peace I leave with you. 
my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I give I unto you. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's a promise to those that are in him. And he's a savior that knows. You're, you may have thought, well, you know what, Jesus, he, he just doesn't know what my life's like. He hasn't went through something like this. He hasn't seen what I've had to go through. He doesn't know what it's like. There's no one that I can really just give this to. My problem is so monstrous, so amazing that he can't get it. I'm here to tell you that he does. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. This is a verse that I love because it comes from my Savior. Verses 15 and 16 of chapter 4 of Hebrews, it says, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is no, there's no better place than to go to Jesus Christ. He cares for us. He loves us. He knows what it's like. He understands fully and completely. He's for us. In fact, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's literally on the right hand of God interceding for us. Do you remember, remember, think of this for a moment. Think of this for just a second now. And we talked about those two C events, those two events where there was opportunity for them to trust. It was a faith lesson. First one, where was Jesus? He was in the boat. Second one, not in the boat. Think of this. What time of day did he arrive to the disciples? 3 to 6 a.m. Is it dark 30 or light 30? Go ahead and go with dark because that's the right answer. I'm leading you. I'm leading the witness. How did Jesus know where to go? Because he does. Just like you, when you've got a storm and you're saying, where is God? Where is he? Why isn't he here? He knows exactly where he is. And just as he walked on the water to those disciples, he knew exactly where they were. He knows exactly where you're at too. He knows exactly where you're at. Isn't that good? I'm glad he knows where I'm at. Now, either he's in the boat or he's out of the boat, but he's still with you. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going on. Let's look at a couple of verses yet, and then we're going to finish up. Um, let's see, where did, where did I leave you? Where are you at? We'll just go to the closest. Hebrews? Let's go to uh, 1 Peter then. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. This is an easy verse to remember, and if, if you haven't remembered any verses... This is one you better get a hold of. It's really good for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Cast all your cares upon Jesus, for he careth for you. Two more. Let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 34, verse 4. And we're going to finish with Isaiah. Psalm chapter 34, verse 4. Psalm of David. Verse 4. This is good. 34 4. I sought the Lord and I sought him and he heard me and he delivered me from what? All my fears. One more, and we're going to leave you with that. Isaiah chapter 41, one of my favorite passages. I think it might be my mother's favorite Bible verses. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. This is one we need to have right next to our closest mindset. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yes, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Those are promises. Those are things that we need to remember in the heat of the storm. So, next time a storm hits you, and you may say, I'm in a storm. It's even better, because the storm is going to make you better. Maybe not fun, but it'll make you better. You know, sometimes we can see through something. If you know at the other side of it, a lot of hard work, a lot of labor, a lot of whatever, and you know when you get on that side that it's going to be done. That's why Jesus Christ literally laid down his life. The work on the cross, he said that for the joy that was set before him. To be crucified? No, because of what was happening, he regained all that was lost. It's the same for us. When we know on the other side of the storm that God will be glorified and we will be made better, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Questions or comments? Yeah, faith, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Tell you what, let's let uh, Mary Kay. Let's 
if you've got another verse, that's fine. But let's just, uh, let's go to Romans 10, 17. Go to your Bibles and you see it. This is what it's really all about. This is what Jesus was saying, really. So then faith, verses 17, chapter 10, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to get faith? Read the word of God. Read the word of God. Did you find something? Mary Kay, anything else? I think I know what you're talking about. There's a couple of different... Let's go to James chapter 1. Um, how many of you prayed for tribulation this week? I just hear laughter. I didn't hear anything. Okay. But let's watch why we probably should be happy when it happens. Joyful is a better word. Let's go to James chapter 1. Let's read this. I, this might be, uh, Mary Kay, what you're thinking of. James chapter 1. I'll be there in a second. James chapter 1, and we'll cruise in about... Um, I'll be there in a minute. James chapter 1, and let's start in verse 2. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, that is, mature and entire, wanting nothing. Yeah, that really helps us. Really helps us. And again, probably, if now, this is a word of warning. This is a disclaimer. If you... Especially, Carol, if you want to pray for your spouse's for patience, tell him about that. Because it's going to get tough. And if you pray for patience for someone, it's going to get rough. Because it takes tribulation, it takes tough times, it takes trials to try your faith so that patience becomes who you are. A characteristic or an attribute. I'm telling you, those storms, troubles, trials, they make you what God wants you to ultimately be. Praise God for the storms. Praise God, because he's there with you, and he'll take you through it. Now, again, one more time. Let's say this one more time. God's not nearly, uh, what's the right word? How do I want to say this? God is not nearly as concerned about the storm outside as calming the storm inside. That's what he wants you to do. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you comfort. He wants to give you more faith. But if it's outside, like that picture right there on the side. You see the guy up there? You can't, every, it's just complete white water chaos around a, um, help me, a lighthouse. And look at this guy. I mean, just, I know you can't see it on the microphone, but here's this guy, and he's, he's just kind of hanging out. He's got his, got his hands in his pocket. This is not a good place to be in. But you know what? He is outside of the storm looking in, even though he's in the storm. That's exactly how it is when we're focused on Jesus Christ. And that should give us great joy and peace. Okay, and I know there's some of you sitting there. You said you'd quit a long time ago. Yes, that's true. So let's, let's stop. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and care. Thank you especially for Jesus Christ that felt worthy to follow your directions, to follow your will, to literally bear the sins of ours on him. Thank you, Father, for all of the love that you have shown us by promising to send Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world it was your plan to do so. And Father, what a loving God you are. And I would ask now, even in this closing quiet moments, that there may be someone that hears my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. And all of these things we've talked about, of being in a storm, being safe, being secure, being protected, without Jesus Christ as your Savior, it is not the case. But God is loving, full of mercy and grace. And he opens the opportunity for you, even in these quiet moments between you and God right now, for you to be able to say, Father, I come to you humbly knowing that I have nothing that I have that could conquer sin. The wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But as you humbly open your heart and say, I trust in the gift of Jesus Christ. I believe that He can save me. I want Him to be my Savior this day. I earnestly ask for forgiveness. I ask that you would receive my repentant heart now. And if you've done that, then you have become a new creature. You have become relationally brand new with God. Something has changed. The Holy Spirit has come to live within you. Your life will take root 
that will begin to change. There will be different desires. That's the power of God. That's the same Jesus Christ that literally cast out the fear that was in this group of disciples. He cared for them. He loved them. He changed them. And God uses storms to change his kids. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit ministering to us today. We ask that in the coming week that we would be open and willing to follow your leading and your guiding. Give us strength. Give us protection. Give us wisdom. And, Father, continue to give us grace. Thank you for your mercy. And these things I ask in Jesus' name.